Namaste. Welcome to Call and Response Podcasts with Krishnadas, where he shares meaningful stories of his life on the path, of his Guru Maharaji, and integrating spiritual practice into our everyday lives. Call and Response Podcasts is an offering of the Kirtanmala Foundation. The foundation is dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba, a great spiritual teacher of India. If you are interested in supporting this podcast and the work of the foundation, please visit kirtanwalafoundation.org, K-I-R-T-A-N-W-A-L-L-A-H foundation.org. So practice, you got to do practice, I'm sorry, you just have to. With our eyes open and our hearts open. But through a practice, you're, you're, you get used to coming back from being gone. It's more like an ability to let go. I guess mine was just asking about if you could share some of your story about what was going on before you decided to go to India. That maybe, you know, whatever it was for you. Mm -hmm. And then also, how did you find your guru? You land in India. Mm -hmm. And then also from there, I like those mo- the transition moments of yeah. of all the things, you know, playing music, you know, doing what you're doing now. Of all the things you could do, how did that just? It was either this or pump gas. Those are the two options. I had. <laughs> um, well, I, I I went to India in uh, August 1970. Uh, I had already been pretty involved in spiritual stuff for, for quite a few years. Uh, I read all three books on the stuff that were here in America at the time. Uh, Autobiography of a Yogi, Gospel of Ramakrishna, and Zen in Japanese culture. That was about, oh wait, and there was Yoga for Health, something like that. That's unbelievable, thank you. So, uh, but you know, I was really, I was very unhappy. I wasn't really a happy camper. A lot of, a lot of self-hatred, a lot of self-loathing, a lot of not being able to be happy and get what I wanted in life. It was really not a lot of fun to be me. And then, uh, oh, I, I, I moved upstate New York to live on a farm that the brother of a friend of mine had bought. They were... Jungian acid head mountain climbers. <laughs> These people would take a thousand mics of acid and climb mountains like this, straight vertical. They were unbelievable. They were very wild. They had a group they called a family they called the Vulgarians. Anyway, they were great folks. And uh, they. Uh, one guy, a friend of theirs, had seen Ramdas when he first came back from India in uh, late 1968. Yeah, and then they, he gave a talk in New York in early 1969, I think. And this guy met, went there, and then he came up and told his friends about it. And then they were going to go drive up to... Uh, New Hampshire, where Ramdas was living on his father's estate. 
he's living above the garage. It was a huge, beautiful house, but he was living above the garage in like a little, he had come back from India and, and camped out there. So uh, I had just come out, so they said they were going to meet this guy and I, you know, I said, I'm not interested in any white yogis, you know. <laughs> Once an asshole, always an asshole, what can I tell you? So they went off. They were supposed to come back the next day, but they didn't come back like for three days, right? And uh, I had just come out of the, the goat shed. We had two goats, Alice Bailey and Madame Blavatsky, <laughs> our two goats. And I was holding a pail of milk, right? And the, they came back and I saw the car cut through the field and comes around and he parked it and he gets out of the car and he looks at me like, and there was light shooting out of his head. I couldn't, I've never seen anything like that. I said, write down the directions, I'm leaving now. <laughs> I ran out to my cabin and I got my stuff together and I took off and drove all night. And, um, so I got, I got there <clears throat> around, maybe around 10 o'clock in the morning. And my car, the carburetor, the, the, the uh, not the carburetor, the exhaust system had a hole in it, so all night long it was like, <laughs> I pulled in, I turned the car off, Whew. silence, and it was snow everywhere, there wasn't a sound, it was unbelievable. And I felt this little thing in the center of my chest go like, bloop, what was that? I have a heart attack? What was that? That was weird. So then I walked up to the house, I knocked on the door, the door opens. This guy with hair, with long hair and a long beard smiles. And he just points up these steps. And I thought, get me the fuck out of here. What is this? These people are weird. But it was too late. <laughs> so I walked up the steps and there was like a, you walk up the steps and there was like a, a wall, you know. And I walked up, I got to the steps and I turned and Ramdas was sitting in the corner. He had his eyes closed like this. The minute I walked into the room, something hit me, right? And I knew, all of a sudden, I knew that whatever I was looking for was real. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what to call it. But I, all of a sudden, I knew that whatever it was, it was real. It was in the world and it could be found. That's, it was just like that. And that was Maharaji. I didn't know that at the time. Uh, so I spent all day with Ramdas, and one of the things he used to do was you would sit opposite each other and look into each other's eyes, and he would say, Whatever thoughts come to your mind that you don't want to say, say. <laughs> and I thought, right. 
It made me so aware of my thoughts, and not one of them came out of my mouth. So then, at the end of the afternoon or early, he said, well, it's getting late. And uh, oh, and one, at one point he gave me a mantra that had been given to him by one of his teachers, not Maharaji, but another teacher. He gave me this mantra and um, we repeated it for a while. So then later on he said, okay, it's getting late. If you want to stay, you can stay. We well, can have dinner and then uh, spend the night. Or you could, but if you're going to go, you should go now. So I got to go because first thing in the morning, I have to drive a school bus. That's what I was doing for uh, Kingston High School in upstate New York. I was the hippie bus driver. <laughs> so uh, I said, I got to go. He said, oh, don't worry about it. Your mantra will protect you. Weird stuff. What is this guy talking about, you know? So anyway, so I get in the car. Now remember, I had driven all through the night, the night before, no sleep. And then I'm all day with him. So I get into the car and I start driving. Somewhere along the line, I got really tired, like about an hour out. <clears throat> so I pulled off the road and I had one of those old wind-up alarm clock, a baby Ben alarm clock. I wound it up, put it on the ashtray right by the front thing and I set it for like an hour, right? So uh, I go to sleep. The next thing I know, I'm driving. Where am I? I'm driving. I'm on the right side of the road. I'm not speeding, but I'm driving. I'm on the road. You know, I, I, it took me so long to realize what was happening. I'm driving. I had woken, I had turned the alarm clock off and I started the car and started driving in my sleep. The first thought that came to me was, your mantra will protect you. All the way to New York, I screamed that mantra at the top of my lungs. So then I started to get closer to Ram Dass and then I wound up spending uh, a lot of time with him the next year and a half. And then uh, I wanted to go to India to be with Maharaji because he would talk about Maharaji all the time. And he, I began to understand that what I was feeling, which I thought was coming from Ram Dass, was just coming through him and that it was Maharaji. I shouldn't say just coming through him, that's not the right thing. It was coming through him, which was a big thing. So, uh, so I said, I'm, he said, well, you know, when I left India, Maharaji said not to talk about him. But of course, that's all he did was talk about him. <laughs> but he never said his real name and he never said where, where to find him. So Maharaji is like, it's a, it's a, any, everyone's, so many people call Maharaj, just, you know, you could call anybody, oh, Maharaj, you know, this kind of thing. So it doesn't really tell you who he is. So uh, I said, well, I'm going, I don't care, we'll find him. Okay, okay, wait, wait. I have a friend named K.K. Shah, so you write to him and maybe he'll help you. <clears throat> so K.K. lived up in the mountains, so I wrote to K.K., and I got a letter back saying, wonderful to hear from you, and 
You know, Maharaji is not in the hills at his temple in Kenchi at this time. Okay, we got a name and a place. But when he returns, I'll, I'll bring your letters to him and, you know, I'll write back to you. Because I had said, we want to come meet Maharaji. He said, well, he's not there. So, about a month later, I got another letter from KK. And it said, uh, Maharaji has returned to his temple, and after a few days, I was able to go and see him. Uh, as you know, great saints like Maharaji do not encourage the devotees to come to them. But their doors are always open. So if you're traveling in India, you can come see him. Great. Here we go, right? No hesitation at all. Okay, fantastic. We're going. Not exactly. <laughs> Many years later, KK said to me, did I ever tell you what really happened that day? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I came to the temple and I took your letters. Maharaji, there was a couple other people in the room. And I took your letters and I put them down next to Maharaji. There were three letters, three of us. Put them down next to Maharaji on his bed. And he was just talking to people. So I began to peel an apple and cut it up in small pieces and feed it. Maharaji had like three or four teeth. So you get a soft apple and cut it up and he would go, gum it. And so I was feeding him the apple and he was talking to these people and he happened to notice the letters. He said, what's that? And I said, they're letters from students of Ramdas. They want to come see you. Nay, tell them not to come. What do I have to do with this? And it goes back to his conversation. So now here's the, the beauty of the whole drama, right? You see, KK had grown up in Maharaji's lap. From the time he's eight years old, Maharaji was like his grandfather. They had the closest, sweetest relationship. There was no like, you know, no distance. They were very, it was very close and sweet. And KK is like a spoiled brat. If you tell him to sit down, he stands up. If you tell him to eat, he fasts. If you tell him to go away, he stays. This is the way he's made. That's a, so even with Maharaji, he would act like the same way. And furthermore, when Ramdas came to India and met Maharaji, KK was there. So Ramdas told, uh, Maharaji told Ramdas to go home with KK and told KK to serve Ramdas. So KK was serving Ramdas by showing Maharaji our letters, right? That's how he felt about it. Now, Maharaji was interfering with the very service that he gave KK to do. And KK would not stand for that. So he's, KK told me he began to pout. And he stopped feeding Maharaji the apple and looked down like this. Maharaji looks at him and says, what's the matter? What's the matter? KK wouldn't look at him, wouldn't talk to him. KK, what's the matter? And KK said, Maharaji put his, pushed his head up like this. KK said, he'd look away. <laughs> Finally, Maharaji throws his hands up in desperation. He says, okay, tell him what you want. Tell him what you want. Now, is he going to lie? No. But... Being a good devotee, he won't lie, but also serving Ramdas is helping us. So he writes, as you know, great saints like Maharaji do not encourage the devotees to come to them. 
but their doors are always open. That's how it happened. My whole life, like on a thread, you know? It seems from our point of view, but not from his point of view. He knew exactly what was going to happen and how it was going to happen. And in fact, let's see, so that was in uh, spring, spring 72. So four months later, five months later, there we are in India. We get up to Nanital, which is where KK was from. And it turns out he's at the temple with Maharaji that day. So we got in a taxi, went to the temple, and uh, that was the deal. Here we are. I mean, if KK had, if it had been a different devotee who wasn't as close to Maharaji, who didn't have that kind of sweet, long-time relationship, he might have written back and said, you know, Maharaji says not to come. Then I wouldn't be here. I don't know where you would be. It probably wouldn't be here. So this is all, these, it's all grace, but we, we don't really see it clearly. So we have to, we have to work our way through our nonsense until we can see things and be who we are. I often think about, I, I kind of feel like I was on the train, a train of my life, right? And it stopped in some station. And I looked out the window and there was Maharaji. So I ran out of the train and I just was like hanging out with him. Hi, yeah. And then he sent me back on the train, you know. But without having met him, that train ride would have been a hell of a lot different. A lot different. But that's me. I always, people say, oh, I wish I had a guru. I said, are you, what are you kidding? I was the one who wouldn't have made it unless I saw him physically. You're, you don't seem to need that. That's great. Have a good life. Leave me alone. <laughs> you got to understand. You don't have to understand, but I'll just tell you the way it looks to me. Everyone has guru, everyone has a lineage that they've been involved with, especially if you're in, interested in this crazy stuff in the first place. And everybody is, every moment, including this moment, receiving the fruits of their karmas. And if, and, the motivation for a great saint, they only have one motivation, they only have one agenda, which is compassion for us, because we don't know what's going on. So they are here for one reason only, for our sake. So that means that everyone is getting exactly what they need at every moment. There's no slippage in the system. If you've seen, if you've met a guru, a real guru, not a wannabe guru, not a hope it's a guru, not a fake guru, don't let me continue, because it gets worse. 
If you've met a real guru, then that was the best thing. That was what you needed. If you haven't, that's what you need. You gotta, you, you can't think yourself into a corner and then sit around and mope for the rest of your life. It's just one, it's not the best thing to do. If you've met a guru either, and okay, so I, after I met Ramdas, now up until that point, all I saw was a little, maybe four by six black and white picture of Maharaji, an old picture, okay? He didn't even look in that picture the way he looked at that time. But I dreamt about him. And I had this incredible dream about him uh, before I went to India and met him, okay? And in the dream, I saw him walking. So this is a long dream. But anyway, he had a very unusual walk. It was like a two-year-old bouncing from one leg to the other, you know? So he would always hold somebody's hand when he was walking. So about a year and a half into my visit to India, I came to the temple late one day. I don't know why I had something to do in town. And usually when we came to the temple, we'd be sitting outside and he would come and sit right down on, the, on his bed and we would be sitting around him. So when I got to the temple, I walked into the courtyard and there he was all alone walking across the courtyard. And I just stopped like, because he was walking the way he walked in my dream. I had never seen him walk before. It was like, and he just stopped in the middle and looked and he started, he goes, oh, these Westerners, come here, you know. I didn't even offer him the apples I had. He just, he just looked at me, he laughed, he grabbed the apples and threw them to somebody. My mind just stopped, I just went, so I really met him before. And so if I could meet a guru before you, I met him physically, so can you. These, they're not limited. We're limited. And we only need one thing, which we already have. That's longing. The longing to connect. The longing to deepen our relationship with real love. That's all we need. That's the only qualification that's required. Because that's, that's how we as human beings experience being pulled into our true nature. It feels like a longing for something outside, but there is nothing outside. It's that desire to be free, to be real love, to be in love 24-7, 365, not just for a minute or two here and there. And that longing, that's what saves our lives and what ruins our lives. Because nothing is going to be enough. It's never going to was not made to be enough. This is what Buddha said when he came out of the jungle after recognizing his enlightenment. He said, yo, monks, stuff ain't enough. That's what he said. <laughs> or something like it. <laughs> we keep trying to squeeze water from a stone, but there's not, it ain't gonna happen. We trees, 
We keep trying to squeeze happiness out of pleasure. Not going to happen. We keep trying to push pain away to find happiness. Not going to happen. So, the more we understand that, the more we understand that that everything we need is within us already. And all we have to do is slow down and start pulling some of the energy away from the programs that are running in our heads all day, all life long. That's all we have to do. And as that guy that Maharaji mentioned said, do unto others the way you would have them do unto you. That's all that's required. Ain't easy. If you can do that, you're a God in human form. Jesus. <laughs> On the mainland. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the Kirtan Mala Foundation. Krishnadas is renowned for leading Kirtan, the spiritual practice of chanting, and workshops around the world. For more information about him, including upcoming events, please visit krishnadas.com. K-R-I-S-H-N-A-D-A-S.com. We also invite you to visit kirtanwalafoundation.org. K-I-R-T-A-N-W-A-L-L-A-H foundation.org. Here you will find more offerings dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba. Love everyone, serve everyone. Remember God. Ram Ram.